2: Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. We're going to talk to Sam Amick coming up here momentarily, your NBA daily assist. Stuart Mandel is going to be on the show at 5 from The Athletic, uh, of course, one of the greats covering college football. Uh, he's going to join us every Thursday, by the way, which is just a rock star get for, for Austin. He's uh, He's going to be great to have his weekly perspective on the show. He joins us at 5.00. And then uh, at 5.30, we'll talk to Scott Gobranson uh, for a little Raiders insider report as we, uh, we talk some NFL. Uh, with that, let's get to it. Austin, uh, hit the open.
1: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick on 9751280 twelve eighty The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought
2: to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, Leesheatac.com, Call them 801 lees Out to the T-Mobile special guest line we go. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit t-mobile.com for online services and local store availability. From The Athletic, he's our good friend, Sam Amick. What's happening, Sam? Jake, how you doing, sir? Thanks
3: for having me.
2: I'm doing great. Uh, there's a lot to get to. Um, I want to talk about your latest and talk about what Adam Silver had to say yesterday. And uh, I, But first I want to ask you about game one of the finals. But let me read a, a paragraph um, from your latest that I think gives us an idea of your thoughts. Uh, you wrote this. The rest of us had to stay and watch that god-awful game. And I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that my mind wandered throughout. Uh, <laughs> not a great game one uh, to, to watch there, Sam, I take it.
3: Yeah, it's funny. I got some Laker fans hitting me up saying, what are you talking about? It was a great game, you know. um, Obviously one-sided. And and it's funny, in general, I felt like the bubble has been so good in terms of the basketball. And there was something mentally about getting to the final stage. And, again, they're they're making the best of a a tough situation, but the finals is typically an electric environment. And yesterday was different. Um, you know, and, and part of the reason I wrote about Adam Silver and some of his thoughts is that really Adam being there for the first time and sharing his perspective on what might come next and the issues the league faces, like that was really the only kind of final esque feeling part of it. And uh other than that it was what unfortunately so far looks like a, a one sided series. We'll see if that continues. But uh you know, just not much drama at
2: all in the game. And some injuries that, uh, that aren't promising, really, for the Miami Heat. But I've got to be honest, Sam, I'm, I'm rooting for Miami because I'm rooting for the concept, you know, you, where you don't have to have the best player in the league and you can play this team basketball and you can have a great coach and good leadership, and I think they're fun to watch, et cetera, et cetera. But, it, you know, the Lakers look like they really overmatched them. How, does, how do the Heat stay in this series?
3: Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, you got Goran Dragic and Dan out of Iowa both doubtful for tomorrow's games. I mean, I just... I mean, to me, not to be doom and gloom for the heat, but it's, it's a wrap if that's the case. You know, I, I just don't see... I mean, Jimmy Butler's a fantastic player, but part of his greatness this year has been empowering the people around him, and Goran and Bam are two of those people, and, you know, Tyler Hero's a nice young player, but you hit the final stage, and you get reminded that you know a player like Tyler is a rookie, and he's going to be uh, you know a little shook, like rookies really kind of should be in that environment. Then you had Duncan Robinson, who you know, another incredibly young guy who's never been here before. So it's it's uh, I mean that all showed itself yesterday. So I don't know how they stay in it, especially when LeBron and, and Anthony Davis in particular right now, they just have such a chemistry as people and you combine that with their talent and, and the reality that, you know, it's two of the top five players in the league, arguably. Then I don't know how that he'd get through that.
2: Well, and they certainly seemed extraordinarily focused. I mean, you know, the, the Lakers played really well. They really did. And uh, LeBron, uh, one thing, Sam, I've liked about his total approach this year with Anthony Davis, it's, you know, Anthony, you go have yourself a game. And if you need me to support you in any way, shape, or form, I'm here. And and it really, I mean, it, it really clicked. And you could tell LeBron yelling at the bench to not get too excited that they've got to got to stay focused. I mean, it seems like their mind's in the right place.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that's where LeBron, in particular, you know, I think like I I picked the Lakers to win the series in seven. Now, of course, it seems like you know a much longer series than it might be. But the thing I think I underestimated was like just LeBron's spirit, and that idea that you know that, that he's hitting this stage and realizing that that he could secure championship number four and his first title with the Western Conference team, and you know his third title in terms of a you know a, a third franchise. Those are the kinds of things that it, it, his already great legacy is going to be added to yet again. And the Anthony Davis component and, and the being locked in being focused is contagious. You know, and LeBron, it starts with him. But AD was fantastic yesterday. And, and this guy, I told somebody at the media session today that said, you know, for one, LeBron is just so good for the most part in media sessions. He talks for 20-plus minutes today on a dozen different topics, and I thought he was insightful and substantive. Um and then you see Anthony Davis do similar things, and it's like I told the person, you know, A.B. was not like that uh, even a couple of years ago. It was not very good in the media setting. He, he was looking for the exit. He was looking at his phone. Um, and so they rub it off on one another, and A.B. wants that first championship. Like somebody asked him, uh, you know, because LeBron had talked about how their friendship works because there's no jealousy, and that the idea of helping one another They're genuine. Somebody said, you know, lightheartedly, if you were jealous of one thing, what might it be? And he said, well, he's got a championship, and I don't. And, uh, you know, that's what Anthony is trying to fix. So the synergy between them is, I think, again, going to be pretty tough for Miami to get past.
2: Sam Amick with us uh, from The Athletic, and I do want to talk to you about uh, Commissioner Silver, and uh, you've written about it at, at great length up there at The Athletic, and I encourage our, our listeners to make sure and, and check it out. But pulling off the bubble was was a huge feat, there's no doubt about it. But even after this is all said and done, uh, Sam, there's a lot of work to be done to get prepared to, to play next year was what was Silver's tone, I guess, is my question. Did he sound optimistic, pessimistic uh, about pulling off another grand feat?
3: Um, he sounded humble in terms of not having the answers. He, he talked, you know, for quite some time. The, the quote sheet, you know, the transcription that the league puts out, I noticed that it was eight pages, wow. a lot of questions, Uh and, he, and he, you know, and this is after a long opening statement. But the, one of the quotes I used that you kind of mentioned is uh, my old colleague at USA Today, Jeff Zilgit, had asked him about potential start dates, potential end dates, uh, and just clarity. And his first answer was, "I, I don't have answers to most of your questions." You know, and, and that's where the league is at. Is I even I texted a GM yesterday before Adam's press conference. And I'll do this occasionally because, honestly, people within league, within the league, a lot of times they have questions for somebody like Adam that they don't politically feel like they can ask. So I, I texted the GM and I said, you, you got any questions that, that somebody in your position would want answered right now? And I got a response back that was like, no, because Adam doesn't have the answers because nobody can. You don't know what's going to happen with the virus. You don't know what's going to happen with – a vaccine with saliva testing and rapid results that could help uh, possibly get fans back in the stands and um i think the one thing that really struck me and I, I did try to highlight this in the column is that the the surroundings right now you know specifically the nfl and, and the titans having to push their game back yesterday because of covid you know positive tests for their players that concerned the NBA because it's like, you know, the players are unofficially talking like there's no way the NBA is doing another bubble. Nobody wants another bubble. They don't want to be away from their families. It's too jarring, too much isolation all that stuff. But then you see the NFL struggle when they're allowing their players to, to go home and sleep in their own bed and be out in the community. And, And you ask yourself like, okay, well, nobody really wants a bubble but you don't want that either so what do you do and yeah, that's where uh it really did honestly not to be too dramatic but it i found myself it was a little depressing because i I've, I've enjoyed the back end experience of this bubble and and again i applaud the league for, for getting this done and the more i looked at it i'm thinking to myself like man you know once this stretch is over uh i really have no clue you know when i'm going to be at a game in person again
2: how hard is the labor negotiation or the, the labor relations side of this going to be? And what are the challenges they face there?
3: You know, it, it's tough because, I mean, they, they've made it clear you know, they're going to have to talk about the, uh, the CBA and, and the fact that the BRI, the basketball related income, is going to be drastically lower. And so, you know, what – do those? Uh, what does the salary cap look like? What do the payments look like? But it's it's unprecedented because technically speaking, there's not an opt-out in the CBA until after the twenty twenty two twenty three season. But you know, this is uh, the type of circumstance where Adam and Michelle Roberts, the executive director of the Players Association, and, and Chris Paul and that whole group, like they got to talk about their business and they got to talk about how to, you know, how to how to kind of meet in the middle here and make changes to keep this league in an okay place. And you're seeing already, not already, I mean, you've been seeing for quite some time the ripple effects. And I mentioned it just yesterday that the Sacramento Kings had layoffs within basketball operations department. The Jazz have had the same, um, you know, and you've seen kind of the regular folks get hit from the pay cuts and, and, and people just little by little, every, every couple of weeks, there's another little press release or another headline that tells you that more people in the NBA community are losing their jobs. And, and that's where, you know, I certainly do hope the fans can have some empathy because I get, you know, I understand the idea that your heart doesn't bleed for somebody who goes from making 25 million down to 20 million. I, I get that for sure. But within the ecosystem of the NBA. You know, you have that seventy thousand dollar a year uh, PR person who really enjoyed their job and then lost it, and then you know had to scramble and figure something else out, and and, and so you know that's part of what's happening within the league too.
2: Sam Amick with us, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the zone. Uh, Heaven forbid, Sam, uh, 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 we lose our jobs at some point. May our uh, time without a job be as short as Doc Rivers. Amazing that he's already now (laughs) the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. That's wild.
3: Yeah, it is. I mean, especially because it it seemed like the Sixers were initially they were were really high on Billy Donovan. And my understanding a couple weeks ago was that, you know, Billy – was probably ahead of Mike D'Antoni on their list, but they had interest in Mike, too. But, you know, then Doc Rivers becomes unexpectedly available and and Philly ends up going that direction. Um, You know, I I like the hire. I Honestly, as much as I like D'Antoni, that made no sense for me. I mean, the idea of bringing Mike in where, you know, his calling card recently has been small ball and spreading that floor and 3 and D and, you know, this is a Philly team that has a fantastic big man and a point guard who can't shoot, you know, and so that's not necessarily tailor-made for what Mike's done recently. But then with Doc, uh, you know, I think he's, he is a connector of players. Um, but I have questions, too. I mean, honestly, he didn't, you know, it's not a an easy challenge, but I don't think he did a great job of, of finding ways for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to, to be better leaders within their environment. You know, Doc himself has a a -a one-of-a-kind voice, and and he he used that in full force in the bubble, you know, both on and off the court. But, you know, he's got to find a way to to unite guys in the Sixers locker room in a similar way that, that he was trying to with the Clippers and ultimately was unsuccessful.
2: Who would be a good fit for the Rockets, Sam?
3: Well, I mean... The easy one would be, um, in just in terms of you know, ideologies, I guess, is you know Alvin Gentry. Um, I think will have a crack at it. You know, gets fired by New Orleans and and actually replaced Mike D'Antoni in Phoenix years ago and got to the conference finals with the Suns and you know so you know they could pick up where they left off with Alvin and from there you know Ty Lue was getting consideration from the Rockets, but it certainly looks now like uh, any part of me thinks that it'd be su- surprised if Ty doesn't take that clipper shot. Um, you know, Jeff Van another name that you know, I think Jeff ultimately lands somewhere. Um, but, you know, I don't know. And the Rockets, they're in a tough spot because that roster is talented as it is. I think one thing we're still kind of sleeping on is that, the D'Antoni departure had as much to do with, I think, his view of the roster as it did the, the interpersonal dynamics with the owner, Tilman and and you know, and things of that nature. But Russ and James, you know, it's just it's a lot of money for two players who are going to get you a lot of wins in the regular season. But what's the ceiling on the group? And so, you know, for the better coaches. They look at that stuff, and if they don't see championship possibility, then, you know, then they end up a lot of times looking elsewhere.
2: Sam, thank you very much, as always. We appreciate you jumping on with us, and uh, let's let's hope the Heat rebound to make this a series.
3: You got it, Jake. Thanks, man. Have Thanks, buddy. Week.
2: You too. That's our friend Sam Amick. Check out his latest at The Athletic. And uh absolutely his his latest is worth looking at. Um if particularly you're a you're a dude like me who likes kind of the scene behind the scene because well Adam Silver, as you heard Sam talk about yesterday, he talked a lot, but he really doesn't have a lot of answers. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> there's a lot that needs to happen. Uh, before the start of next season and i asked him specifically about the labor negotiations because i i think you know that can get a little tricky because uh you've got to figure out a way to <laughs> you can't strictly go by the letter of the cba it's not possible because basketball related income is is going to fall off the cliff regardless of the bubble and, and finishing the year that helps a little bit but it, it you know if you went by the letter of the law the salary cap next year is going to be it's going to go down you know Whatever it would be, fifteen, twenty percent. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and basically, you can't do that. So do you tear up the CBA? I mean, you, you've got to figure those things out first, and then you tackle the the issues of where they're going to play. They're going to play in front of fans. Then you you have to get that figured out before you even get to the COVID stuff. So, or or actually, you probably do it simultaneously because the players have to sign off on that too. But I mean, it's there's so much that's got to happen.
1: Yeah, and then. I think it's feasible for them to play in all 30 NBA cities if the government officials there in each of those cities says, yeah, go ahead, without fans. The question becomes, is all 30 cities going to allow a basketball game to be played in those cities even if there are no fans? I don't know. Because each jurisdiction is so different from the other.
2: But no fans matters a lot. That's a does. lot. That's a lot of money. So. And so
1: why would you have all that expense – of thirty different right. cities, thirty different uh, teams employing people. If there is no income coming in from it, and who
2: does that? Whose pocket does that come out of? That's if you want to really simplify this, the the revenue is is going way down. So who who takes the hit? Is it the owners or the players? Now in baseball, it's the owners because they didn't re- renegotiate anything. They just said we're going to proceed and play without fans, and we'll pay you what we owe you. But it's basically guaranteed that there is going to be a strike or a lockout. Lockout, not a strike. Yeah. Basically guaranteed that uh, as soon as this is said and done and the CBA is up, they're going to lock it out and the players are going to, or excuse me, the owners are going to figure out a way to make up that revenue. The NBA doesn't want that. And you heard Sam about the opt-out of the the current CBA. is not for, what do you say, two more years? Yes. So you can't really go on business as usual because the players aren't, or excuse me, I keep mixing it up, sorry. The owners aren't going to want to fit the entire bill. So they've got to figure out uh, a way to evenly split the, the revenue deficit, but you don't even know what that's going to be or if you're going to be able to have fans or what. I mean, th- these are, like, really impossible questions, and they're going to have a month to figure it out, yeah. a couple of weeks to figure
1: it out. And it's extra sticky because it's really no one's fault. Right. Like, in years past, you could pick a side, probably, owners or players. But in this scenario, it's like, well, who, who's to blame? Nobody. So, but someone, that's the whole idea of lawyers, is the Players Association doesn't want to take the hit, the owners don't want to take the hit, and you have to kind of find a way to agree.
2: You have to split it. And that's why, actually, uh, Michelle Roberts and Chris Paul, I think, have been really good through all of this, because they basically said, all right, I know we got to do some good faith stuff. Uh, We know what's on the line. We'll figure it out, and we'll get the players on board to proceed and weather this storm as best we can. At least they're realistic like that. Like, the Major League Baseball players and owners for that matter, are are dumb because you're you're basically, because you can't get along, you're going to sacrifice a whole season, half a season, where nobody's making anything?
1: There's some belief it won't happen until 2022.
2: It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Had they just been able to say, okay, well, we know we're both going to take a hit out of this because uh, the, the revenue is not going to be there, so let's just figure it out. And we'll both be miserable together. And basically they're ensuring the doom of baseball for an extended period of time. Which is ridiculous. It's crazy. The NBA has been way better. Yep. And the NFL has been better at that matter, too. All right. Uh, coming up next, we'll we'll play a few more cuts from Kyle Whittingham's press conference today. We'll uh, switch back into college football mode. We've got the Not Sports Port at 4.50, Stuart, uh, Stuart Mandel at 5 o'clock. And then at uh, 5.30, we'll talk to Scott Goldbranson about the Oakland Raiders. Stay tuned. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. I got my toes in the water, toes in the sand. Not a worry in a world of cold beer in my hand. Life is good today. Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. want to remind you to join us. Coming up on Friday, we're going to be at the warehouse for a football Friday. That would be tomorrow. 1825 South, 300 West, their brand-new Salt Lake location. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. It's the warehouse. And you know when uh, Tom's hanging out with Alema and Mac, he likes to show off. So usually the, the deals are pretty darn sweet on a football Friday. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. And uh, really, just drop by the warehouse anytime. Eighteen twenty-five South, three hundred West, or eighty-six East University Parkway in Orem. Uh Tom will take care of you. Tell me, your listener, Tom. He's great. He's great. He'll give you the best deal in town, and uh, they've got it right there, which a lot of other stores are, are back ordered so far. Tom will get you set up. You can go home with it. You New know adjustable what? bed.
1: And, and you know what else I also like about Tom is if he happens to not have something you like, he'll help you find it. Oh yeah, no problem. You may not go home with it that day, but he'll get it soon, he'll get it quick, and you'll get something you like.
2: He's good at what he does. Uh, the Warehouse will be out there tomorrow. I'm very much looking forward to hanging out with uh, Mac and Dilemma as well. Um, let's get back to Kyle Whittingham. Some uh, comments he had to say today during his media availability. Uh, let's start with this. This is some on-the-field stuff. Love it that we're talking about this. Uh, he talked about his timeline for announcing a starting quarterback.
0: Well, sooner rather than later, obviously, that would be, a, you know, the sooner it happens, the the more ideal uh, for us as far as naming a, a guy and letting him get all the reps with the ones. But uh, more importantly than that is getting the right guy named. And so it's going to be a, a three-man race going in. Uh, we've got to quickly narrow that down to two. And uh, when I say quickly, uh, within a week, uh, hopefully, uh, and I could pin myself to an exact timetable, but that would be what I would uh, – Guess, guess going into it and then uh after that you know a week or so after that uh narrow it down to one and then have a pecking order and, and be able to to uh you know divvy out the reps accordingly but uh going in it's going to be drew lisk and and cam rising and jake bentley all three on you know equal ground and equal footing and and getting the same amount of reps until we can get it to two and then uh when we get it to one then you know, like I said, we'll we'll give the majority of the reps to, to whoever that guy is.
2: I'm going with the Gordon response on that one. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Through um, Lisk, really.
2: I wonder how much... <laughs> I wonder how much of a race it's really going to be. Drew Lisk has been around the program for a long time, so yeah, i give him a crack at it, but yeah, I don't know. He was uh,
1: there in the Sugar Bowl, I think. He was on that roster. Yeah, he's been
2: he's been around for a while. You know, he was the quarterback. Remember when Troy Williams faked like uh, his shoe fell off or something like that? That's right, yeah. That it was to get Drew Lisk on the, on the field for a couple of That's snaps. That's right. What bowl game was that? That was that was a bowl game. It was a bowl game.
1: Oh, oh it was the one where, Tex- where? The one in Texas. In Texas, yeah, yeah it was. Would they play the Frisco Bowl? Yeah, West Virginia. They yeah. played West Virginia, yeah. right? That was a stud move by Trey, uh, Troy.
2: That was a cool move by by Troy, but yeah, that feels like a while ago now.
1: That was like seven seasons ago.
2: <laughs> He's still, you know, give Drew a, a crack at it. But I, I don't know. I, I think Jake Bentley is going to be be the guy. But I thought that on the day he transferred to Utah, because why would a three year starter in the SEC transfer somewhere he wasn't going to play? And then we brought up other transfers to Utah, where they didn't necessarily automatically get the job. We brought up our uh, your boy Tommy Grady, but Tommy had never played at Oklahoma. You know, Bentley <laughs> has played; he's won games. Uh, Who was the
1: other Oklahoma? Oh, Kendall Thompson. Kendall Thompson. Yeah, that burned out fast.
2: Boy, they wanted to play him over Travis Wilson, and it just Real never bad. and they just never worked
1: out. Poor Travis Wilson.
2: Anyway. Didn't, didn't Kendall Thompson start that Oregon game where they played yep. really well and Kaelin Clay dropped yep. the ball at the one-inch line and it all unraveled from there? Wasn't yep. that Kendall starting? Yep. Then yep. he got hurt, right? Yep, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly.
1: Uh, and that, you know, But this is what, in my opinion, Whittingham does really, really well, Jake, is he sells hope to guys that really probably don't have any hope because he, he can't come out and tell Cam Rising, yeah, it's Jake Bentley because then Cam, why is Cam Rising staying around? Right. So he says, ah, let's wait. And then what if, hap- what, you know, knock on wood, if Bentley were to have something happen and can't start. You need the depth. Then yeah. you can say, well, we were going with Cam the whole time. Right. And you've got Cam's confidence up. No, the Drew I, Lisk thing is unneeded, but whatever.
2: I, no, I, I certainly get it. I just wonder how much of a race it's actually going
1: to be. I don't, it's all dependent on the health of Bentley. If he's healthy, which he is. It's going to be him. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Again, that Gordon response. Mm. Mm. Mm.
1: Well, there you have
2: it. Uh, Austin, let's get forward to seven because I want to make sure we get to this one uh, today. Uh, and it was inspired by a question from our very own Jake Hatch. You can hear him uh, with uh, DJ and PK he produces that show. He also does the Locked on Cougars podcast. But in this case, he jumped on this uh, press conference. But he asked about the furlough situation because that's ongoing at the University of Utah. Whether it's affecting anything here is what Coach Wood had to say.
0: Uh, So far, very minimal effect. We structured the schedule to uh, account for those. Once we knew those were going to be in play. Uh, Now we do have to modify a little bit. You know, now that the season's going to be upon us and uh, you know, coaches don't have any days off. There is no days off. And so we'll have to, to uh, you know, move those furlough dates to, to sometime in December, but, but uh, we, we've been able to manage with really no disruption and uh, you know, here in football, at least speaking for us, you know, we're happy to do our part and uh, you know, it's a big, big deficit that uh, that we're looking at. And and so we're going to do what we can do to, to uh, help the cause. And there's been no, no complaints, no ill feelings, no, no, uh, nothing negative coming out of it. I mean, it's just something that we uh, need to do and, and uh, need to do to help the program and the department.
2: So a couple of things there, um, the, the furloughs haven't disrupted much. You know, I, I, that's kind of probably the company line a little bit because you don't want to say something else. I would imagine it's been a challenge. They may have to delay some of those furloughs to December. Uh, but the truth is with the furloughs, they're going to they're make the football department the priority because that's you know if football's not a go and not successful then the rest of the department struggles. So I you know they're probably managing the furloughs in favor of the football department if that makes uh, a whole lot of sense and they and they uh and they should. That's how they should uh, they should do
1: it. So was that a political answer to a political question?
2: I think it's what he has to say because he has no choice. I mean
1: you also don't want to be the guy that comes out when there's people who aren't furloughed but actually are looking for work, like right. they've been fired by the millions. You don't want to be the guy that comes out and complains about yeah, yeah. your ninth assistant having to miss two weeks of work. And
2: I'm sure he's being very sensitive about that. But the tr- the truth is, you know, they're, they're going to play football in the fall, and they're going to salvage some of that revenue. But much like the NBA, like we talked about before, they're going to still take a big hit. I mean, maybe it's not a $60 million shortfall like it could have been, but it's... It's going to be significant, I mean they they're gonna to have to figure out a way to to survive this nonetheless, and playing seven games helps, but you're not getting the gate and there's all sorts of other things so um you know with there there's no other choice they have to do these things he does there's so wit could complain about it or he could just say we're managing, so and you, we're doing just fine
1: so but, you if I were to- p- propose to you Jake well if they're if there's little to no impact on the football program and the, and the success and the progress of the team during their fur, these furloughs, then why don't we, as they are state employees paid by my taxes, why don't we enforce a yearly furlough every now and then right. anyway to save some cash if there's no little to no impact? You're telling me it's probably not the truth what he's saying. Right. It's the right thing to say.
2: It's the right thing to say. I see. There, there, there certainly is an impact. There certainly is an impact. And I wonder, you know, if, if you're really furloughing coaches, how much they're really not working. You know what I mean? You know? They, they, they sure. haven't missed a beat because they were furloughed. But mm.
1: you can't really tell Coach Whittingham, hey, I'm furloughed. I'm not doing film.
2: Right. How's that going to go when you're unfurloughed?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you want to stay furloughed? Yeah, you right. work. <laughs> Just don't and, tell anybody. And of
2: course, we 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 have to say this uh, you know, hypothetically because actually, if you do work employees when they are furloughed, you're violating like laws. That's and what things, I mean. But, you don't tell
1: anybody. <laughs> but yeah, but yes, I still need that film report by tomorrow.
2: Let Let's say you're a, a position coach and you're making I don't know what's a position coach making up there now. A nice two two hundred fifty grand, something like that, probably. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you, you're technically on furlough, but Coach Witt calls, as you say, and say, "Hey, I need these cuts <laughs> broken down ASAP." Are you really saying? Uh,
1: he doesn't say that though, Jokey. He says, "Hey, uh, uh, so you're on furlough. I, I hope you hope you have a good time. You want to grab lunch? Let's grab some lunch on Friday. Let's grab, some, and you know, let, let's just let's just chat. But what he's really saying is, you will meet me at the office at, on Friday at noon." Right. Maybe there'll be food but you're going to show me the film report that you that I right, gave to you
2: that you did in your personal time. But you can't just, say those just things. just for fun <laughs> right? because you
1: really love your job. <laughs> just to pass the it, time. It
2: was either you know it was either watch uh, uh baseball playoffs or crunch through some uh, cut-ups cut on Cal. I just love it so much I thought I'd do the cut-ups. It's great.
1: Sure my kid had a play. <laughs>
2: sure I could have You'd gone to visit my ill <laughs> grandmother, you know. Uh, but no, no, I wanted to do cut-ups.
1: Oh, unbelievable! So, but really, that's probably what's happening.
2: But there's nothing else. Long and short of it, there's nothing else that wick could say. I mean, they they've got to figure out a way to to overcome the budget shortfall, and unfortunately, that uh, that includes layoffs and and furloughs. And uh, I'm sure the football department, uh, you know, they need to take their their share of that. There's no doubt because the whole athletic department is going through it but I'm sure there are some creative ways that they're managing it so it does not affect their performance on the field, meaning delay the furloughs until December or things like that where you can do your part, so to speak, but not have it overly impact your, your performance on the field. Well,
1: so, Yep, probably so. Yeah.
2: But, yeah, if you had to ask Coach Witt if, if being missing parts of his staff is having an effect, yeah, of course. Of course. And I hope those folks that have been laid off and furloughed up there are doing all right. Because that All joking aside, yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Stinks. The whole yes. thing stinks. All right. Stay tuned. We'll get to the not Sports Report coming up next, 97.5 and 1280
1: The Zone. Check this out. And now your not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network. Now, I just couldn't sit idly by and allow Austin to have all the fun with his impressions today. So, in true Gordon
0: Monson fashion, I just had to call in and well, one-up his impression of him for him a little bit. I listen to Gordon uh, on your show uh, on, on mostly days uh, just to tune into of the uh, non-sports report. Someone ate a, a turkey sandwich that was like six months old <laughs> and he was still able to survive and
1: tell about it. <laughs> I tell you, Jake, I, if I had a turkey sandwich, I do you like cheese? Cheese, I mean, with a good <laughs> slice of cheese. <laughs> you know, I think Gordon Monson came in and swooped in. He's like, I'm I'm going to I'm I'm going to take care of this. One. I'm going to Aaron. I think I got an idea. <laughs> Um, Austin's you know, J- J- Juice Newton nervous. taught me everything I know about cheese and sliced alone. He, you know, he's speaking of turkeys and sliced alone. Have you ever had a turkey sandwich with sliced alone? <laughs> His impression is getting so it's, good. It's, it's really good. KFC
2: launches chicken sandwich into space. I really don't know why they're doing it, but I know this much. I love chicken soup. I love KFC. And I love me a non-sports report.
3: And, of course, Lisa won't
1: make me a turkey sandwich. <laughs> you
0: know. Right, Austin? I mean, where? <laughs> hey, it's I don't. I
1: don't it. like it. That's all bloody I know. I don't, don't like okay. it, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> don't like it. Can you even get
3: a turkey
2: sandwich? What are we yeah. doing yeah. anymore? This is quickly becoming my favorite segment of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Dueling Monson impressions. Oh my wow. god! Yeah. It doesn't get any better than oh, that. Please, give me a turkey sandwich <laughs> when I get home. It's one small step for a chicken sandwich and one giant leap for a fast food. You know my favorite Gordon story is where he didn't know the, where the bread is
1: in his oh, own it's, house. It's insane. <laughs> no, Lisa, where Lisa the bread. this is ridiculous less now. Where where is the bread?
2: (laughs) Shout out to Ben who added a Gordon impression on the the open mic. That was incredible. Incredible. Welcome on back. It's the Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. It's really Um, not fair to Gordon. I know. We miss the big guy, don't we? We love Gordon. That's a great. We gotta. I mean, we we'll, we should play that for Gordon routinely when he's have, around. Have we
1: played that for him? I think I don't I think, think we have
2: played that, Masha. We played the bowler you and right, the yeah. dueling Monsons. We we definitely played that for him. Uh, but that was that was well done, well put together.
1: You know, this beats having a real job, Jake. It's, it it really so does, fun. doesn't
2: it? It really does. All right, it's time for the not sports port brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over one thousand used vehicles in inventory. Shop online. At lhmusedcars.com. Stuart Mandel will join us at the top of the five o'clock hour. So you're gonna to want to uh make sure and stick around for that. Uh here's my not sports port, uh Gordon. Uh or Gordon, Austin. Yes, Jake. Uh I'll I'll just read right from the report. Uh visiting his Surrey S U R R E Y Surrey. It's a Canadian town. I think it's Surrey. Surrey. uh, Visiting his Surrey girlfriend will cost a Washington state man $2,000 as a result of his unauthorized entry into Canada in violation of COVID-19 border rules. The RCMP said members uh, with the force's Marine uh, Sherpeter Program, whatever that is, were patrolling along the marine border in the southern Gulf Islands when they spotted a cabin cruiser out of Bellingham anchored in the Crescent Beach Channel Near some other spot. Uh, It goes on. (laughs) Police said the boat's occupants were identified as a 49-year-old man from Bellingham and a 50-year-old woman from Surrey. Uh, He had left home that morning to pick her up but failed to report his border crossing. He was arrested under the Quarantine Act and his boat was seized. A search of the man's vessel confirmed that the trip was simply personal in nature and no other criminality was involved, police said. He was fined $1,000 for uh, for contravening the act, uh, and he was released. He was required to pay an additional $1,000 for the return of his vessel and required to leave Canada immediately. Uh, The woman was taken to uh, the marina and uh, had plans to self isolate and get a covid test if she experiences any symptoms in the next 14 days.
1: So, to to recap, a man from Washington state dating a woman from Canada just drove his old boat up there to grab her and bring her home to Washington? Well, I I think they were they were convening there on the boat.
2: Oh, I thought like. I thought
1: you mentioned he was going to take her back with him.
2: Uh no, I just think he visited without,
1: you uh-huh. know, the the proper Without a hall pass. And the... The, the, uh, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police caught right? him.
2: Wait, no, this, this sounds like some sort of like serious patrol-like situation, like it's the Coast Guard. Like they're guard out there like, on guard towers. Right, yeah. like, a, like a submarine surfaced uh, by this guy's boat.
1: And they were like, hey, <laughs> excuse me. Some frog man Are you allowed up? to be here? This poor guy just wants to see his girlfriend. But he's an American from the dirty COVID country of the United States of America, Jake. I mean, that's that's serious. A thousand dollars. serious stuff. And she has to self-isolate now? Yeah. Because he happened to maybe possibly have COVID. But uh, maybe it's been a while for these guys. <laughs>
2: you know, he's on one side of the border. She's on the other. They're Long-distance probably sep- relationship. Yeah. Probably separated by a couple of miles, but yet. You
1: know, Let me, so you've you've done the long distance thing before. I have. I did for a whole year while you were engaged. If I'm not mistaken, we, were, we weren't. We were
2: engaged. Not nearly engaged. No, okay. but it was her first year. In but law an school. entire year. Uh huh.
1: Would a thousand dollars be worth it? Oh yeah, you'd break that rule oh. for a thousand bucks.
2: Oh, in two grand in this case, he had to get his boat back. Right, a thousand dollar fine so, and a so two thousand. I mean, if. See, we visited fairly often, you know. We but did, there was but, no but
1: restriction. If it you were, could go whenever you right, wanted. Right,
2: but if it were a year and we had not been able to see or or be together for a whole year,
1: oh, yeah. So let's say this guy hasn't seen his girlfriend since March. Well, yeah, sure he hasn't. The, the consequences are pretty severe here. Do you think he's like, that was totally worth it? Yes. Or do you think the RCMP got there too soon?
2: Oh, no, there's
1: an interesting question. Like, yeah, how that, long that had that the Bellingham vessel tr- been uh, docked, we'll call it?
2: <laughs> that, that, that would be relevant to the opinion here. Um, But yeah, I'm sure it was worth it. I just, I just, I mean, they really threw the book at this dude. who's just trying to see his girlfriend. I mean, there's, you know, he wasn't running
1: drugs. Not, in fact, there'd probably be less of a fight. <laughs> 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 Slap on the wrist. Uh, give us the drugs, we'll let you go.
2: This guy's like, all right, well, today's the day. I'm coming on my boat. Then nobody's going to notice. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll pick you up and we'll spend a nice afternoon together and then nobody will be the wiser.
1: And it's, there's no, it's not like one of these inlets, right, where it's impossible to know whether or not you've crossed the border. He's, he's docked and on Canadian soil. I think so, yeah. Okay, so there's no – he can't say, oh, this is Canada? I thought this was still – Vancouver, Washington, or whatever. I'm so confused. <laughs> I
2: just, oh, I'll go back immediately.
1: You're Canadian. We need to break up.
2: But I, I feel bad for this uh, this couple.
1: Nah. I got news for you. If he's living in Bellingham, Washington, he has a vessel the this si- that that's this big, the big cabin to, cruiser. Right. Yes. Two grand ain't nothing to him. He's fine. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, the the forced separation.
1: But let, let's the poor ask, gal had to sacrifice fourteen
2: days of her life for this whole thing.
1: <laughs> let's ask our listeners out there: Would you spend two thousand dollars if you were separated from your loved one for six months? Would two thousand dollars be too much or worth it to you?
2: Well, and I'm sure this poor guy didn't know that the the, the Canadian Navy was going to be patrolling <laughs> patrolling the high seas. I that didn't day. know horses could swim that uh, far. I don't. <laughs> this seems like. They're really they're really looking they're
1: Here comes Dudley Do right riding up it. to do his da- doodly deed daily deed. You got that. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police caught him. Did, were they really mounted? It, no, cuz it was their marine
2: Shipwriter program. That's what they call it. Oh, Shiprider so, program patrolling along the marine border in the Southern Gulf Islands. They're serious about this. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Yeah, like a like a nuclear submarine surfacing right by this guy's cabin cruiser.
1: Where they aimed the deck gun right at him. <laughs> the SAM, the surface to air missiles were trained right on this lady's front door. Halt! Where did where did this vessel originate its trip today, sir? All he had to do was slap a Canadian flag over that Bellingham, Washington tag and yeah. they would never have known. I guess. Huh. I
2: don't know. Try to, well, try good. to pull one over on the Royal uh, Canadian Mounted Police uh, Shipwriter Unit. Nah,
1: the hardened criminals will lose you. every time. Poor them. guy's lucky he didn't get torpedoed. That's right. He's not in, not in some uh, dungeon up there in uh, Prince Albert. <laughs> Just trying to see my girlfriend.
2: Missiles away! <laughs> Just give us a few more minutes. Damn min- the torpedoes! I haven't seen her for six months! Just give us a few more minutes. Oh, man. All right, Stuart Mandel is going to join the show. Coming up next, covers college football for The Athletic. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.